What is up, friends? It is the Incredible Hulk podcast. Excited for this weekend because our guest this week is Nate Staniforth. He wrote a book a year ago called Here is Real Magic that I'm hopelessly addicted to. Uh, it's uh, about a magician who goes off in search of wonder and real magic, and it had a huge impact on me early on in this year, and I have been recommending it a ton and spent some time to go find Nate and see if I could get him on the podcast. And we talk about everything. We talk about the building of a magic trick or an illusion. We talk about wonder. We talk about writing. We talk about the arts and creativity. And I think you will love this podcast. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Incredible Halt podcast. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Don't tell television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. The Incredible Hulk. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Nate, how are you, my friend? Um, um, well, thanks for having me on, Eric. It, it is my pleasure. I have to tell you, though... Um, one, I, I told my wife this morning, I, I wasn't sure what I was more excited about for this weekend, Avengers Endgame or getting to talk to you. Um, so uh, <laughs> I, I just want to put that out. Well, because the book is Here is Real Magic and it single-handedly ruined my 2019 in all of the best ways because when I was done with it, all I wanted to do was travel and read about magic and then figure out how to spend more time with my family while making more stuff. Um, yeah. And, and I... I want to say thank you. For you let right- me know if you figure that out, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's the real trick, isn't it? I, I most certainly will. But I want to say what you have done is profound. And so one of the things I want to start with is you go on this trip to India. And then at some point while you're journaling, decide that you're going to put it together in a memoir. Can you talk about yeah. wh- you know what that moment was, where that was, and, and how a, a book that seemingly goes from age nine to about six or seven years ago became a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, let let, let me start this way. Imagine for a moment that for most of your life and all of your adult life, the only way you've had to really say what it is that you have to say about being a human being in the world is with card tricks two things would happen pretty quickly. The first is you get really good at card tricks. But the second is that you build up this sort of uh, pent-up frustration at the inability to, to you know, fully articulate this, um, the, the experience that you're having, right? Because magic tricks are really good at communicating one facet of the human experience, which is, which is wonder. And I, you know, I think a lot about wonder and I care a great deal about it. But I mean, you can just imagine that a singer or a writer or a filmmaker or a poet has so much more landscape that they can explore with their craft. And and in the middle of my trip to India, I became really, I, I, I felt like I, I I was in over my head, that I, that I had more to say than I could ever possibly say as a magician. And, you know, I came home thinking, I, I've got to share this. I, I have to find a way to communicate these ideas to someone or I'm just going to go crazy. Like, there's no way. So, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, 
I doubled down on my work as a magician and, and really started pushing the boundaries of what I had been doing before. But I also started, you know, just sort of like learning a new magic trick. Um, you just work on it every day. I just started thinking about writing and learning about writing and really paying attention to language. And, you know, as a magician, you get pretty good at getting better at things because every illusion is its own discipline. You you know, in one piece of magic, you might need a, a sleight of hand skill or, or uh, another illusion might require you to learn how to build the right prop or, or to, um, you know, solve any number of problems. It's not like the guitar where you learn a scale and a, a series of chords and then you can play any number of different songs. With magic, you're sort of building each illusion up from the ground. And so you get good at acquiring new skills. And when I came back from India, I just thought I need to learn how to communicate in a way that will allow me to, to share this thing. So that's how the book started. It started with the journal that I was taking, uh, that I was writing in while I was over there. And there's a, there's a moment early in the book where you're talking about your father and how he taught you how to practice. And the reason I wanted to start with that question is because it's one thing, Nate, to want to communicate in a different fashion. You know, a magician to writer, writer to YouTube star, TV star to poet laureate, right? It's different to want to do that than actually being yeah. good at it. The book is simply brilliant. I mean, it's what it does and and the way in which you write um I, I i don't know a better way to explain it than for a first in for all intents and purpose right for a first book i, I don't know yeah. how you, you know i don't know how you did it so i want to talk a little bit about not necessarily the mechanics of it but you know, how you found that voice and even things like um it seems to me to be sleight of hand inside the prose, if that's fair to say. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it sure is. You know, one thing I think a lot about with magic tricks is that uh, magic tricks should feel like stained glass. You know, when you look at a stained glass window, you're not actually seeing the window. You're seeing all of the light that's shining through it, and the the window just puts that light that you would normally see anyway into a different perspective that, that allows you to see this beautiful image. And, and so with magic, I try really hard to make the focus not about the trick, but about the thing that you're seeing through the trick. And, and yeah, you're, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you picked up on that because the goal from the very beginning was, can, can you do with language what I've been trying for so long to do with magic tricks? Well, and, and so for, for everyone who um, isn't on our email strings, right, I, I just want to set some context is I got a hold of this book and I read it in one sitting and then I was doing a road trip the next day. So I downloaded it from Audible and listened to it the next day. Prior to you and I talking today, I read the book again and I think it's chapter one or chapter two. Pardon me for not actually memorizing all of the pages, but... Um, <laughs> You know, there, there's a moment where you're talking about the coin trick and you're on the playground and you're talking about the coin trick and the story goes on and it, and it unravels and then your teacher comes over and it's unraveling a little bit more. And then there's a line in there and this line adds so much to the story and I missed it the first two times and literally went, shit, he's doing sleight of hand right here. You mention offhandedly that it's also a new school. Right. Which yeah. which changes the story in such a dramatic way if you miss it. Right. Because here's a kid in a new school doing a fascinating thing that's garnering. Everybody can outside of perhaps the 
the illusion. Everybody knows what that feels like to some extent. So that specifically stood out to me and I went, what, what are we, what is this wonderful thing that you have made? And, and I just wanted to point out that as people are reading this or even listening, cause that's the other thing I want to talk about is, is the arduous process of turning this into an audiobook. Um, what you've done is just, it's, it's sort of silly, man. Like it's silly how good you are at that. Man, I'm, that's, that's very kind of you to say. I mean, I think, you know, Oh, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin, but but let me just throw this out there. With magic tricks, the thing that I, I feel like one advantage that magicians have is that a magic trick is never finished, right? Um, whereas a painter makes a painting and hangs it on the wall, or a writer writes a book and you know puts it on the shelf, or, or you know whatever. Uh, there there is no point where a magic trick is finished. So you learn because every performance you're doing it for an audience who has never seen it before, and so that allows you to to learn how to constantly iterate and iterate and and refine the illusion over the course of sometimes thousands of performances so so that it it gets better and better and better and better and better and and so you know i missed my first publishing deadline by a year and a half <laughs> something like that uh, all right and and it and it's because i was just reworking the manuscript over and over and because that's the only way I know how to make things right the first draft of every magic trick I've ever made is awful it's not magical at all but with with illusions you learn how to push a set of pretty ordinary abilities all the way to the point where suddenly it's like it's a, a binary experience right a thing is either magical or it's not and so you learn how to take your the skills that you have which are just normal skills but push them again and again and again, a little bit closer to that tipping point where it doesn't feel like a trick, where it feels like magic. So, so with the book, you know, I think, I think, and, and to their credit, the, the folks at Bloomsbury were very patient with me. And, and I think they sort of understood that I just needed to figure out how to, how to write a book on my own terms. But it, it took its shape pretty quickly. And the reason it took so long to, to polish it was that I just kept going over, like on a, on a, not a sentence by sentence level, but on a word by word level. Um, there's not a word in that book that's there by accident. Um, and, uh, you know, if there was a faster way to, to get what I wanted, I certainly would have taken it, but, uh, well, but that but was the only way that I could figure out how to make it right. You can feel the care and, and, it also leads me to a moment in the book that's also early on, and we'll dig, we'll dig deeper here in a second. But when you're talking about your relationship with your father and sitting under the piano and watching it work, and then him writing letters and then reading them at the kitchen table, and I, I wonder if that letter writing process had you know any impact on your writing and how you craft words and and noodle over the perfect word at the perfect time. Yeah, I mean, I I have learned so much from my dad about how to become good at something just by watching you know when i i grew up listening to him practice the piano and and he would just very methodically tackle a new piece of music and slowly slowly work through the hard parts that he couldn't get just by sitting down and reading it and over the course of days and weeks and months and and years we'd all sort of just watch him learn how to do these you know, these things with his fingers that allowed him to play the music. And and same with writing. You know, he's a painter as well. So I'd go down and watch him uh, work in his studio. And, you know, my dad puts, let's say, 300 hours into a canvas just 
very slowly and deliberately taking a you know a blank white canvas and and making it into the thing that he wants it to be and yeah i that's that that is a skill that uh is so useful as a magician to to learn how to be patient with yourself as you're creating something and and to to know that there are no shortcuts because you don't want the shortcuts even if there were shortcuts right that, that sure. you want to slowly and deliberately um take this thing from your imagination and bring it into the world so let's get back to a little bit more in in the magic realm the book starts with yeah. with the illusion that you're probably most well known for the the lottery illusion and yeah. I, I don't, you know, you have written a book about how it works. You've come back to it in another book for people in in the magic community called Clouds and Kingdoms um, that's available right now. But so I don't actually want to know how the trick works. And oddly enough, any video that I was watching that would go into that, I would stop as soon as I the trick, you know, the illusion was over. Um, yeah. But but what is the process? You know, in in the book, you talk it takes six years to even get this to a, a form where you want to show it to other people. Your creative process for creating a, an illusion, what, is, what does that look like? Because I can't even, when I watch you work or you've done a bunch of videos with people in your industry and you watch them do sleight of hand and, and it looks fantastic and amazing and blows your mind, but when you break it down to the mechanics, I often wonder, okay, so building an illusion, what does that start with? So with the lottery illusion, is that Tesla-esque where you see it in your mind and start reverse engineering or what is the process for you uh i i think depending on the illusion um that answer will differ i think the ideal situation and and certainly the one that i used with the lottery illusion is when you start with nothing when you sit down and imagine that you're watching a magic show and you can see yourself in your mind up there on stage and you just think okay what would i what would it take sitting here watching this performance to make me believe in magic. And then and then any answer that comes out is okay. It can be as wild or as crazy or as impossible as, as, as it can be because you're not worried at all about method at the beginning. You're just trying to figure out what experience that you could give someone that would make the hair stand up on the back of their neck. And once you have that vision, you, you sort of commit to it and and say sort of in your mind... I am going to make this happen. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but in the process, I'm not going to change that vision at all. So, you know, like, let's, let's just talk about it specifically. Let's say you and I wanted to do an illusion where we make a brick float off of the stage and just hover there in the air. So we've got our vision. Here's our brick in our minds floating above the stage. The, the next step is to write down a thousand ideas for how it could be done. And, you know, you spend a couple days or weeks or months or whatever it is just brainstorming all of the possible solutions. And most of them will be incredibly stupid. And, and that's okay. You're just, it's like, it's like you're going for volume sure. more than yep. quality, right? You're just, you're trying to throw anything that could possibly help at all to get this brick to levitate off the, the stage. So you've got your thousand ideas and then you start to look over them and, and, and just by accident, you realize that a few of them are a little less stupid than the others. And so <laughs> you throw out all of the really bad ones and you keep just the kind of bad ones. And, and then you, you think about those and, and, you know, it's, it's just like we were talking about with, with the book manuscript. You just iterate over and over and over again, and you keep challenging ideas and challenging assumptions and, and trying and uh, failing and failing and failing and failing. And, and 
by trusting the process and by trusting that, you know, with a time, with enough time and effort, you can do essentially anything. Right. So even make a brick float off of the stage. Uh, and, and it, it's by, by committing to that right at the beginning, it takes any question of success out of it. And it also takes any fear out of it because you know, this is going to take forever, but at the end of it, I'm going to be able to levitate a brick. And, and so then you just, it's, then it's just a matter of throwing enough time and effort and research and development at it until you can make it work. And sometimes that happens very quickly. Sometimes just by luck, you hit on the right idea very early on in the process. Or sometimes you realize that what you're trying to do is similar to another illusion that you've seen and you can borrow a principle from here and apply it to, to make your life easier. But, but my favorite pieces that I've invented, and certainly including the lottery trick, have just been starting with nothing and brainstorming you know, for years until, until it works. The amazing book is called. That was a really long answer no, to a question. No, no, no. Sorry that's that. that's exactly what I was looking for. The book is called "Here Is Real Magic." Nate Staniforth is with us, and so that takes me to Milwaukee. When you walk off stage, were you yeah creating at that point? Like, were you making new illusions, or it, had that part faded first before you walked? Like, what was what was the disintegration of wonder at that point? Yeah. So. For the people who haven't read the book, let me just set this into context. I I have only been a, a magician. I've never had another job, and and I from a very young age may have made my full time living as a, a touring magician. And so, you know, in my early twenties, that meant traveling all around the country, just night after night after night, doing my shows at colleges and universities. And you know, it, in my first season, you know, I do a hundred shows, which you know, it sounds like, you know, a hundred within the, the span of a year is maybe not so bad, but when you add a travel day beforehand and a travel day afterwards, uh, it just, it, it felt like I was on the road all the time. It sounds and awful. I did that for one yeah, year. It sounds awful. And then, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, and, and the thing about it that was confusing for me is it was exactly what I'd wanted, you know, um, be careful. <laughs> What's that line? Be careful what you wish for. You might get it. Yes. Um, and, and so I felt sort of guilty that I was so miserable because it was exactly what I had been working on for so long. But one year of that was tough. Two years of that was just grueling. Three years, four years. During the fifth year, I just thought, there's no way this is going to work. And one night on stage in Milwaukee, I just I stopped the show in the middle and walked off and you know said something like, um, you know, good night. I'm out of here. I'm done. And... And that was it. And I went back to the hotel room thinking that maybe I was just going to work at Starbucks for the rest of my life. Maybe maybe this ship is sinking. Maybe I'm done. And, you know, your question was really insightful. No one has ever asked that. But I can tell when my relationship with magic is healthiest uh, based on how easily it is for me to how easy it is for me to to enjoy the creation process, making new material. And and you hit it exactly. Uh, that last year, I wasn't adding anything to the show. I wasn't changing anything. I wasn't inventing anything. It was just the same show over and over and over again. And, you know, I think every job, this is an assumption, but I think it's true. I think every job probably conceals beneath a veneer of, of you know, an appealing um, image from the outside, 
a sort of grinding day-to-day reality within. I don't know the next thing about being an architect. From the outside, it looks like the greatest job in the world, but I bet there are architects in the world who are listening to this and thinking, well, you don't know what it's actually like. Um, be, and, 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 you know, that, that was certainly true for my job as a magician. I thought it would be one thing, uh, and it turned out to be turned out to be quite another well and i think that's why i love this book so much is because it's it, yes it is your journey to find wonder and magic in the real world but there are so many universal concepts going on here that you can't help but be sucked into this because i think that moment in milwaukee i would join your assumption and think there are probably 99.8 percent of human beings who have had that moment and made that decision And decision one is, I'm just going to press on and be miserable. And decision two is, I have to change for myself and everybody around me to have a better, more fulfilled life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was 26 years old when that happened, which is pretty young for a midlife crisis, right? That that's pretty pretty young to just give up on everything. Except you'd 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 been doing you know magic for 20 years almost at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, um, you know, I, I, I started really young. I got serious about it right away. And so, yes, you're right. By that time, I already had a career's worth of uh, work <laughs> right. sort of behind right. me already. And so you make this decision. You're going to go to India. And, and I don't really want to talk in specifics for anyone who hasn't read the book because there is so much wonderful stuff that happens when you're on that trip uh, that I, I really want them to enjoy that. The, again, your writing and your care with those words shines through because it feels either it, in, at multiple points in the book, it feels either like I'm right there or I should go buy a ticket to go there. Um, uh, <laughs> which which is true. Uh, you should do that. Yeah, no, I, I, most, <laughs> I, I most certainly should. But... It, but what happened after, right? You, you come back from this trip and then you and Catherine start a life, have kids. What, what happened to your career? What happened to the illusions and the magic and, and the stuff that you, you know, I obviously know the answers to some of these, but I, I want to know how they all came about after this trip. You, you know, I, I went to India because I wanted to rediscover that which I loved about magic from the beginning or at the beginning, which was, which was that when it's, you know, when magic's bad, it's worse than anything, but when it's good, it becomes a way of, of finding and sharing the experience of wonder. You know, I think if we're honest, most people don't care about magic tricks, but everybody cares about wonder, right? If, if I had to identify the fate, my favorite moments of my life, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be like the Disney World moments, right? They wouldn't be the the sort of, um, I don't know, family snapshot pictures that make it to the Christmas card. Sure. They wouldn't be victories. They wouldn't be triumphs. They wouldn't be things that you brag about to your friends or, or use to impress your colleagues. They would be these quiet, still moments where, you know, purposefully or accidentally, I bump into the experience of wonder. And it just... It, it's just intoxicating. I mean, that when, you know, I think human beings are really good at making things ordinary. And, and whenever, whenever you get the chance to, to sort of wake up and, and see things the way you saw them before they became ordinary, it just, 
it uh, it's like it it comes crashing back to you all at once. This thing that you've known forever, but managed to forget over and over again in the course of daily living. And and when I was in India, I you know um, a, as you said, there's probably not time to go into all of the the stories about what happened there. But one of the ideas that I really um, came home with was the realization that you don't have to go to India to rediscover your sense of wonder or the, or the sense of uh, magic in the world. That that you can find that anywhere. You can find it anywhere. It's it's more about how you look than where you look, or or really, it's more about remembering to look in the first place. And so. I came home. I came home from India feeling like I I had like my mind had been set on fire and I just needed to I just needed to share it, you know. <laughs> I felt like if if I could make an audience see what I saw when I was there or feel what I felt or remember what I had remembered, they would never forget it. It would change it would change everything for them in in the way that it changed everything for me. And so you know, I I've had an unusual career and i've i've tried to talk about this in a number of different ways in a number of different uh formats but i feel like for my whole life i've always been trying to say one thing over and over and over again and uh uh y- you know that's that's all i'm interested in doing i, <laughs> I feel like uh, uh once once you sort of know why you're here and what you're doing you just have a responsibility to do it and and i'm i'm doing it as hard as i can and and will continue to do so. Well, and you're, you're finding interesting ways to do it, right? You, you've, you, the show is on Discovery. You've got a YouTube series that you just finished where you traveled across the country. And I just want to, you know, hit on that stuff that you came back and sort of wanted to continue that journey to discover and, and see wonder. And so what was, what was the road trip like from one side of the country to the other, you know, when you're, you're making this YouTube series? Yeah, so let me let me answer that from sort of the thirty thousand foot view. Sure. So let's let's just say you've got these ideas that you're trying to share with with uh, anyone who will listen. Our culture is a uh, uh, our cult- culture is so fragmented right now in terms of attention. Right. It yes. used to be like when David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. 52 million people saw it or something like that for for years it was the most watched television event in history uh because there were only three channels right you if you were watching tv you that night you had a 33 percent chance of of uh of seeing it and now there are 300 channels or three i don't even know 3,000 but most people aren't watching that anyway most people are watching youtube or netflix or or they're not watching tv maybe they're on twitter or twitch or you know there, there are so many different platforms and so people are uh, people's attention is in so many different places that the the process of trying to communicate with an audience uh is is changing all the time and so you know you mentioned the tv show i thought maybe that would be a an effective way to communicate. And I ended up disliking that so much that I started writing the book while we were filming the TV series because I thought, oh, if, if this is what it feels like to make a TV series that will go out to 100 million people around the world, what is the opposite of this experience, right? Like, right. How can I get as far away from this as possible? And so writing a book for, you know, you know, for as many people who read it, but it's really just a book for me, right? It's a, it's a, 
like let me just stop and and as as clearly and as carefully as I can say this thing that I've been trying to communicate. And and so, and so yeah. No, go ahead. I didn't want to. I did not want to cut you off. So no, no, no. That's that's fine. I, I'll talk forever if you let me. No, I was I was just going to ask, and you know, through this process of journaling and traveling and coming back and spending time with your family and writing a book and spending so much time an extra year and a half, have you? Um, and it doesn't need to be a bullet pointed list, but for for people who this book can make an impact, and I was certainly one that that this book moved me. Do, do you have keys to figuring out how to get out of your phone and maybe rediscover wonder a, a little bit at a time, um, and, and kind of make that the discipline? Yeah, and and fortunately, it's way easier than you think. Um, the, the main requirement is that you need to want to, right? Um, it, it's really comforting being distracted. It's really comforting, um, living in, uh, sort of this smaller version of the world. Like we're really good at living in the story that we tell ourselves about the world rather than the world itself. Right. Cause yes. it's much safer. It's much, it, it's much less threatening. Oh, and if, yeah. If I mean, an, an eco chamber hide, hide within your certainty. Yeah. An eco chamber yeah. is way more fun than actually challenging yourself. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, I think, I think you could live an entire life that way if, if you wanted to. And, um, for me, the biggest thing is just remembering that there's more out there, that wherever I am certain, wherever I am, um, that, that my cosmology, that my understanding of the world and the universe and the human heart and my place in all of that, that that is necessarily insufficient, that it's wrong, that, that I don't, that I don't know. And that if I'm, if I can just step beyond the borders of my own certainty and my own confidence that suddenly I'm not, I'm not in my version of the world. I'm just, <laughs> I'm in the actual world. Sure. Right. And yes. It's terrifying, certainly, but it's also incredible. And, and, you know, uh, I, I, you can do that in so many different ways that I, I don't know that it's useful. Like I think everyone sort of has to find it on their own, right? It, it can be, it can be something as simple as, trying a new thing or or um, going someplace you've never been or just like it sounds like a cliche until you try it remembering to wake up sometime so you can go out and see the stars and you, you know I have a, a three-year-old and he does this thing where every night before going to bed we have to say good night to the stars and so we you know there are nights where I do not want to do that where I've got to do the dishes sure. and then I've got a bunch of work to do before I can go to sleep and it's just oh won't you please go to bed but 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 it's been a real, it's, it's been so wonderful having that in my life right now because it's this daily insistence that I stop for a second and just remember that we are on a planet hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour or whatever it is, you know, and, 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 you know, that sort of that fundamental mystery that why is there something rather than nothing and, 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 and the, the miracle of being here to be a part of it. Um, that's really easy to ignore. It's really easy to forget about. But whenever I remember it, that's that's the experience. That's what I'm looking for. And uh, yeah, I yes. That again, that's a long answer to to a good question. But I think I think it's something that you, in many ways, you have to discover for yourself. Like where where am I not looking? Where am I not paying attention? Um, 
how am I distracting myself and, and how can I stop? And so, Nate, you know, you've been super kind with your time, so I, I don't want to take too much more of it. But I, I do want to ask you, um, it looks like you, you're going to be kicking off a new tour here soon. But what else is next for you as we head into the end of 2019 and, and beyond? What other, what other stuff can we look for from you? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking. I, I think, you know, my answer... I'm I'm very restless, and so I like I like trying so many different things. Uh, I'm I'm working on a new YouTube series, a new live show to take out on the road. Uh, I'm working on another book, and uh, you know I just I, I want to do everything. Uh, I'm aware that every day I'm getting older, and uh, I'm I'm already not young, but I'm not quite old yet. And when I am old, I want to enjoy being old rather than just wish I was young again. And so. Right now, I'm just I'm going full full throttle towards everything, right? Music and magic and writing and and uh, I, I just I, I want to do everything and uh, um, you know I think some things will work and some things won't, but I'm I'm trying to trying to burn as brightly as I can right now. And, and it's awesome. Like I said, the book is Here is Real Magic. I cannot recommend this enough, and especially this time of year, if you've got any um, graduates in your life, I, I think a reminder that there's wonder out in the world um, in, instead of whatever else they're going to be chasing uh, is a fantastic reminder. Um, so go get that book. Nate, again, uh, thank you so you, much. You don't have to read it. Just just buy a couple copies of it. and. <laughs> I, I will say this, Nate. Let me say this. If you could find for me a human being that could read that first story and not want to continue, that is a person that needs a lot of interventions in their life. Because <laughs> that story... I mean, and, and I will say this, and you will probably laugh at me, because I read the story before I had even heard of the illusion. And seeing the illusion on YouTube, I know is not the same, but what I found really interesting is I was emotionally moved by reading it and the audiobook portion more so than I was the visual one that I found on YouTube. And so wow, I would say if, if you can find me somebody that that doesn't happen, if they've never heard of the illusion or seen the illusion and that story doesn't stick with them, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what would I hate to use the word entertain, but like, I don't know what would entertain you. Like that is about a perfect story yeah. as one could write. Wow. Well, thank you very much. I, I am, I'm grateful that you took the time to find the book and read it. And uh, I sure enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. As did I, Nate. And I would love to do it again when, uh, you know, a new book comes out or you want to talk about the tour or what, I mean, literally, if you ever want to talk again, I'm more than willing to have you on. I would love to talk more. That would be great. I will take you up on that, certainly. Have a great weekend, friend. You as well.